Well, 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 good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. It's great to see you here today, and uh, it's a blessing and a privilege to be together to explore some concepts and thoughts today. And I look forward to interacting with you during the short time that we have together. We have a lot of material uh, to cover, but I hope I don't go at warp speed because then we just get nothing. It's like skipping rocks on a, on a pond. So as we begin today, uh, let's have prayer together. How many of you have been blessed by ASI so far? Amen. I can't wait to hear Patsy Arabito's testimony. I, I have been told that it was really quite amazing and stunning and a lot of great things. It's the personal experience with Jesus that we all need. Amen? Amen. We want to help others have that experience too. And that's why you're here today, is that you want to help others to have that experience. Uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. And I just thank you so much for everybody moving up close. Uh, so that we can be together as a family. It's real lonely up here when the breeze blows through the chairs. Uh, <laughs> so thank you for coming up. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this time together. We just pray for your Holy Spirit, your presence to be with us, to soften and anoint our hearts, be with my mouth, that we may dwell in heavenly places as we contemplate end time things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Vicki Griffin, and I uh, am the Health Ministries Director for the Michigan Conference, and also the Director of Lifestyle Matters. My colleague Evelyn is not here because her daughter-in-law had a baby, <laughs> and she is with the baby, and I don't blame her. So I am here representing both of us today. And as we begin today, um, I, I just want to share a little bit of my personal testimony with you as to why I'm Health Ministries Director, people will come to me and say, oh yeah, sure, it's easy for you to tell people what to do, you're kind of thin, you look like a librarian, you know, you're probably one of these people that lines up all your clothes and the color, <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> but uh, the fact is that as much as I love education, as much as I love books, as much as I love all the things that God has called me to do, that's not why I do this. Uh, I came from an extremely violent home. I did not, uh, was not raised in what you would call a, 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 um, a safe home. I was uh, lots of beatings and violence, so I started running away from home when I was five. Um, my, the theology that I was raised with is that God burns people forever, and so my neighborhood wasn't safe, my home wasn't safe, no one seemed to care, uh, I was abandoned and walked in rejection and abandonment, developed a severe eating disorder by the time I was 11. I was a chronic runaway by then. Fortunately, I loved to hide out in libraries because they were very quiet, sane places. So my grades, mysteriously enough, uh, always remained good. I ran away for good when I was 17 and with terrible people, ran with terrible people. I was in terrible shape. I had no hope. I was without God, without hope in this world. Uh, my life had no meaning, and I was in the throes of this, and, and also living with all the other stuff, you know, that runaways get involved with all the bad people and all the bad things, and so you, I don't need you to be burdened with all of that. Um, I came home when my mother was dying of cancer, and on the way to one of her treatments, this was in Riverside, I uh, drove past a complex of buildings that had beautiful landscaping. The buildings weren't so hot, but the landscaping was beautiful, and I actually remembered it and noticed it and made mention of it to a friend of mine 
who uh, happened to be a Christian scientist. And I said, you know, there's this complex of buildings uh, that has the most beautiful landscaping. It must be some kind of air conditioning, roofing, venting systems complex because it's Seventh-day Adventist. So there must be some kind of construction thing about them. And my friend, having somewhat of a religious background, said, no, though that is a college. And, um, and uh, it's a university. People go to school there. And I remember, like it was yesterday, uh, saying, well, anybody that landscapes like that can't be all bad. Um, I think I'll go to school there. I mean, that was the only reason. I had absolutely zero reason to go to an Adventist school except that I liked the landscaping and I wanted to work on grounds. He uses any. So I tell people at this juncture, keep your yards, people. <laughs> keep your yards. Uh, make sure your churches look beautiful because it, it really does say something. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. In the most chaotic world that I came out of where I don't have a recollection of feeling safe, God spoke to me through mums. <laughs> and uh, so she told me, she said, well, you know, they're not really too fond of atheists there because I was a hard uh, party and atheist by then. And, and uh, she, she said, that if you want to get in, tell them the body's a temple. <laughs> okay. You know, that sounded very weird to me. Um, but uh, I was willing to do anything, con anybody, to get what I wanted and needed. And so I, in those days, you had to be interviewed if you were a non-Adventist. Uh, and I went in for my interview with the president of the university, Dr. Osmondson. And I didn't tell him about this until I had that diploma in my hands years later. But I went in to talk to him and be interviewed to see whether I was a candidate to be on that campus. And, and I remember saying, you know, Dr. Osmondson, I don't know too much about you people, but I really like the idea that the body's a temple. And he put his arm around me and shook me. And he said, I wish we had more young people like you on this campus. <laughs> and I, and I, I just thought, this has to be the most naive group of people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, and so... Uh, what I want to, I mean, what committee in heaven chose me to be health ministries director? Tell me that uh, is what I would like to know. So if you're praying for your kid right now, uh, I want to tell you that God can do anything. He is mighty to save. Amen? Mighty to save. I mean, a tender little piece of grass can grow up through concrete. So I am so thankful that God has called me to do this work. And I made a vow because I was, when I was so bulimic and throwing up a dozen times a day and, and about 25 pounds thinner than I am right now, my life was out of control. I kept getting all these degrees. I was, uh, I wanted justice. Don't you want justice? Is it time for justice, folks? Justice. And, and, and so I kept collecting all these degrees. I got into social work. I did child abuse investigations. I was in finance. I repossessed cars and skipped trace on bad checks. I got into law school, and I was going to be a prosecutor. I was going to put everybody in jail. But there was just nobody left to put me in jail um, because my life was out of control. I needed a just God as well as a loving God. Amen? And so when, when the Lord healed me of the bulimia, when I met him as a personal savior, I met my husband at La Sierra, my precious uh, husband who has now passed away, uh, but he was in rebellion, so he liked me, and you know, uh, we, were, we were out of circulation at least, and um, 
we found the Lord together, and within six months of finding the Lord, we were in full-time ministry for 28 of our 32 years. Thank Praise you. the Lord. Wow. We were hired as a couple to work in the Michigan Conference to create materials uh, for saving souls, not just for increasing educational information on dietary fiber. You can get that off of Wikipedia. Uh, we're in the soul-winning business, amen? And when the Lord delivered me from the bulimia and from the mess and from the garbage, doesn't mean that we're not still in the process of healing, right? All the time, every day. No drive-through breakthroughs uh, is the news flash for the day. But uh, when I gave my heart to God, when I understood what Jesus could do, I, sa- I made a contract with the Lord. I'm Italian, so we do these contracts. And I, and I, I said, I'm going to give you everything that I am, which, you know, big deal. <laughs> it was nothing. And I'm only wanting one thing in return, just one. I want to spend the rest of my life paying the devil back for what he did to me. Because what I did, I did in ignorance. Without God, without hope in this world. Uh, amen? amen. And, he, and now I am a hit and run uh, health ministry director, hired for that very purpose. And I thank God for that today. And so, what I want to approach with you today is a very different view of health evangelism. And by the way, Dane and I were uh, hired not just to spread ourselves around and provide a service. We produce soul-winning products so that you can win souls for Jesus. Amen? Amen. And what I said in my 30-second introduction the other night is absolutely true. The, The quote from Inspired Writings that the secret of our success as a people advocating advanced truth will be found in making direct personal appeals to the people with a firm reliance and trust in God. Amen? Amen. And so we have designed uh, soul-winning materials that I'm going to introduce you to. I'm going to do the introductions of the materials very rapidly so that I can actually give you a seminar experience. Would you like that? Would you like to just have a seminar experience? And the first set of, uh, the first seminar experience I want you to have is from the Balanced Living PowerPoints, which are 24 editable PowerPoints. What kind of PowerPoints? That means you can put them in any language. You can create special information for your demographic. You can shorten, lengthen, change the words. Do you like that idea? All right, so they've gone from General Conference to 50 different countries. 80 of these programs have gone to 15 different Muslim uh, countries. I just praise God for that today. Do you just want to say thank you, God? to be translated into Farsi and Arabic. They've gone to Catholic nations, Mexico, Amsterdam, Greece, Sweden, uh, northern and southern India to be translated into uh, Punjabi, Farsi, and Urdu because souls need a new worldview. A what? A worldview. We are not just fighting poverty. We are not just fighting uh, misconceptions about caring for the body. We are not just fighting health issues as health evangelists. We are fighting non-biblical or unbiblical worldviews. When I came into this message, my worldview was heavily influenced by Islamic fatalism. There's no hope. Life is pain in this world. 
It was influenced by Hinduism and Buddhism, which says there is no real value in the individual, that it's all a big cosmic oneness, and that even language, let alone the body, is a hindrance to true growth. So emptying oneself of knowledge, emptying oneself of, of, of thinking is the way to find peace. These worldviews of fatalism uh, actually devalue human life. They trivialize death. And so now, as we go to these other countries and we see Indian parents or we see you know, the, the infanticide that occurs in other countries or allowing children to starve to death, female babies who are a liability, we can understand that these people are not monsters. They're operating from a worldview. If this, if this child never didn't exist and it will never cease to exist and the body is a prison that, is, that fate has put them in a caste system uh, that is evil, then that parent is, is actually helping that child when they kill them. When we abort babies, when we don't value dying people and we assist them in suicide, we have adopted culturally some of these unbiblical worldviews. There is only one religion in the world that teaches a personal, involved God who cares about the individual. That, that God cares about you, whether you are born yet, whether you are broken and dying, whether you are sick, whether you are well, whether you are converted or unconverted, you have supreme, individual, unique value. It's the only religion in the world is the biblical worldview. And think how this worldview has crept into Christianity. This, this non-biblical uh, non, uh, worldview with, with God chooses who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. Is that a form of fate? Once saved, always saved. It's a, form of, it's a very fatalistic approach. Or, that, uh, uh, or the baptized soul thing where, yeah, you're given a soul, you're created and you're given a soul, so it really doesn't matter when you die because your soul is now what? Free. It's released. So it trivializes life. It trivializes lifestyle. So when I see, I'm just going to be absolutely honest with you, when I see advertising that says, come to these health meetings, how would you like to add 20 years to your life? No, not really. I mean, life is pain. And if you have a worldview you know, if you're from Detroit, you have no job, your hat's on backwards and the pants are down here, and you have this fatalistic, helpless, hopeless, worthless worldview, what kind of advertising is that? Our job as health evangelists is to do more than just teach health principles. We are restoring God's image in human beings. We are teaching them about a personal God who loves them, whether they make it or not. I want people who are dying to want to come to your classes. Amen? Yeah. Because they're valuable, individually valuable. So I have specifically, out of all the materials that I could have shared today, I have chosen two topics, if we can get that far, because I'm a little on the long-winded side and I'm trying not to be. Uh, I have chosen two topics that address worldview and outlook. Fair enough? Because we need to be able as evangelists to not only educate people, but to motivate and inspire them. We have whole person ministry. 
and, and the success of our work is in gaining decisions for Jesus Christ, the personal Savior, of helping people to understand that we are not just deterministic aggregation of cells. So, for instance, when this Hindu who was converted to Christianity read the first page of the Bible, he realized that his, all the philosophy he had learned, all the Islamic philosophy for thousands of years that had held these people and the Buddhist and the Krishna that says even to hold sympathy for people is wrong because we are doing them good when their lives are ended. All right, so here he is. He is reading the first page of the Bible, and the Bible says, God said in the beginning, let there be what? Light. And a deterministic view of evolution would say, okay, well, the photons came together in these various uh, elements, and there was light. But that didn't stop there. The commentary doesn't stop there. It says, God called the light, what? Good. He evaluated the light. He judged the light. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Now, you're talking to a drug addict. You're talking to somebody who's had a horrible life. You're talking to a whole class full of obese people, and many of them have been molested as children. Stuff has happened to them. And so God, we're telling people they're created in God's image. What does that mean? Do you want to help people to know what it means to be created in God's image so that they can be restored into his image? What does it mean? Well, first of all, he has given us, he has created us with the ability to judge just like he did right in the beginning. This light is what? Good. We can judge intellectually. This is true. This is false. We can judge morally. This is, this is right. This is wrong. We can judge aesthetically. This is beautiful. This is ugly. And he has even given us creative power with a small c because we love to create beautiful things. And so as we have shifted as a society into nihilism and into life has no meaning and evolution and we're just an aggregate of cells, uh, you notice what's happened to our music and to our art and to our literature. Uh, notice what has happened, how it has lost the mathematical symmetry that God has put in creation and in language. God is all about language. Amen. And so I want for us to leave this room today with a vision of what health evangelism means in a much bigger way. Because if my life doesn't matter, and your life doesn't matter, and God is just in the cosmos, then where do I begin to help people understand that their choices matter? And do people's choices matter? Absolutely, but we need to help people to adopt and to assimilate into a worldview of a personal, caring God. Amen? Amen. That's where we're going to go today. Those are the materials that we've produced for you, and we're going to talk about two different items that we have produced that are editable, that you can use, and they are so inexpensive that there is not a church in this land that cannot afford to use them. We are selling 24 gorgeous PowerPoints that are scripted with handouts for $20. Amen? Amen. That's because this is Michigan. Michigan is so evangelism-oriented, and I thank God for that today. So the Balanced Living CD, I want you to experience a seminar this morning or this afternoon as we go through one of the sample programs in a very abbreviated way. I had to cut a bunch of slides out to fit all this into an hour and 15 minutes. So, but this CD, which Lifestyle Matters has produced, and we're right there as you walk in the hall, we're right to the right, it's 2.11, I think.
24 editable PowerPoint health and wellness topics. Does that sound inviting to you? People are using these in their home, and they're making their home a home of hope in their neighborhoods. So each PowerPoint, you've seen the, have, how many of you have seen the balanced living tracks, the small ones, the 24 health tracks? Well, they come in a glow track size. They're 24 topics. We've produced them in a large size, and we have a sample for you of the large size. Who can I trust? Uh, at the back of the table, I hope you've all picked one of those up. This is your handout for your participants, and you can get 50 of them for $5. 50 of them. So you can have a class of 50 for $5. Everyone has a beautiful handout, and this is going to prompt you through your program. So they're going home with what you are sharing. So these are easy to follow slides. If you are a practitioner who has a waiting room area, if you come to our booth, you'll see that we've put a lot of the slides together and we just time them to transition every five seconds. So if you ha are in doing the next time we do a um, Pathways to Health in Michigan, I believe we're targeted for Detroit, we will have those in the waiting areas so people can just sit and watch and, and, and uh, learn and look at the beautiful images as they wait to be ministered to personally because they have value. God is all about adding value to your life, value to your health, value to your mental health skills, value to your thinking, value to your walk with him. Does that sound like a God that you would like to get better acquainted with today? Amen. Uh, Evelyn and I, in preparation for creating these programs, we knew that we needed to learn how to do evangelism and make calls. So our conference, our dear conference, uh, we, Evelyn and I were just going to use our own money and go to Tongo, uh, to Tongo or Tonga. I can't remember how you pronounce it. Tonga. Okay. Well, we just didn't know where it was, and we knew nobody would know where we were, so we were going to go there and produce, uh, do an evangelistic series because we didn't want anybody to see us. And uh, when Jay found out about it, our conference president, he said, why don't we send you somewhere where you can actually you know, learn from somebody? So he sent us to Guam to uh, learn from Louis Torres. Evelyn and I each were given our own church to hold a reaping series. Uh, she broke out in shingles. I had migraines every day. If you think that just because you're afraid you can't do something, think again. Uh, we would talk every night. Whose church do you think Louis is going to show up at? You know, we're the only two people that did not want to see Louis. Uh, and one night his pipes broke in his kitchen. We were so glad. Uh, <laughs> but he made us learn how to do calls. Because if you don't make a call... Your job as a health educator is to help people to hear the voice of God. They don't know that it's his voice. So people will hear us talking about beans or fiber or exercise and mental health or any of those things, and they're saying, well, those are really nice ladies. They're just really nice. I, I like what they say. I'll eat some beans because I like them. Have we succeeded? No. no. If they feel the conviction that they need to do this, who is that? And we need to help them learn whose voice they're hearing. Amen? Amen? Tonight you have heard the truth about beans. And as you have heard these things, your heart has been touched. And you're saying to yourself, I need more beans. It's going to give me energy. It's going to unclog my pipes. And now, just now, is your opportunity to make a decision and say, yes, God, I really want more of that in my life. And if that's your decision, raise your hand, not half-mast. 
Okay, well, there's a guy right there. <laughs> and I didn't even give the lecture. Yes? In your materials, do you teach us how to do Yes, we write calls into everything. We write appeals into our work. All right, so these are the tracks. You get them in sets of 50. When people become interested in this subject, the way is often prepared for, the, for what? These other truths, yeah. I'm working on a track right now on diabetes, and we are going to approach the body temple truth from the aspect of the non-immortality of the soul and made in the image of God, amen? amen. We have amen. got to address these truths. Because I, you know, I tell you the happiest moment in my life, if we get to part two of this, when we are, we're going to go over thank you power today from the Fit and Free series, um, a woman who had been diagnosed with a return of aggressive rectal cancer, she's going to die. She came that night to that program because of the environment that was created in this setting, because of the value, adding value to every aspect of life that even if she lost her life, she saw value in coming together with the people of God. Amen? Amen. Don't you want that? Yes. I just may ask, is he getting this on the DVD? Or I'm going to give him the PowerPoint afterwards so that, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, we even have a website with like six or seven PowerPoints that you can do to present to your church on why do this. Why, is it, why does it matter? So using these as a part of your evangelistic series or for monthly supper clubs is going to minister to practical and felt needs. I mean, people who have no hope get stiff necks and sore backs and have high blood pressure and lots of stress, and we want to minister to felt needs. Uh, it will attract people who might not normally attend religious meetings. Uh, that is especially true of the upper income demographic. That's why we want our materials to be current, credible and on the cutting edge of science. Well-balanced, well-referenced, no sweeping generalizations. Uh, you don't want uh, uh, oversimplifications. We want to qualify what we say, and we want to say things in such a way that if there is an expert in the field, uh, when you are giving your presentation, he will not be offended. Amen? Amen? Okay, so we want to present sound health teachings because, because, because they will then know that we are sound in our doctrines. And we just grab anything off the internet. When my husband was going through his cancer journey, you cannot believe the stuff I got on email that was going to cure him. The one that struck me the funniest, if any of it was funny, which it wasn't, was the baking soda maple syrup cure. And I went to my husband that day, and I said, Dane, if we go to Pancake House, <laughs> We'll be done with this. <laughs> and I think we did go and get some pancakes, actually. We were just so... But it opens hearts to receive Christ. So we need to be as careful about what we present as if we were doing a pamphlet on the rapture or state of the dead or any other topic of supreme value and importance. So these are 24 short, compelling, graphic-rich presentations uh, that are going to open these doors to truth. So the next few slides that I'm going to share with you are from the Balanced Living PowerPoint presentations. There are 24 of them on this one CD. Okay, 24 presentations that are editable. And uh, when conferences buy them all, we, we have several conferences that have bought one for every one of their churches in the conference so that every church can be a center of health and healing for 
$20 or less. <laughs> All right, so tonight I want you to pretend that you're coming in for the first time. Uh, you, you just don't feel good. Life doesn't seem worth living. It's full of suffering and trials, and it's hard to see God in all of that. It doesn't seem like he's visited your neighborhood for a while. Uh, you, you're mixed up theologically. You may either believe in some strange doctrines about hell or, or fixed fate, or you may be into New Age Hinduism. Who knows what? But here you are, and we are glad that you have come. Did you enjoy the super slaw tonight that you had for dinner? So we're all about adding value to just simple foods that it, when we add nutritional value, we don't have to change out all our recipes. We just want to think, add value. Does that make sense? All right, so now that you're full, we're going to have our presentation tonight. And by the way, this uh, fall, I have my first opportunity to do the entire 24 with an evangelist. They've made me part of the visitation team. Every night I get to make calls and do these presentations. And on Sabbath, I will be doing 45-minute fit and free presentations to bring the public in. And that is the way that we should be doing health evangelism in conjunction with our message. Because we're told that when we separate the two, the worst evil comes into our church. Now, I can't even wrap my head around that. I don't even know what it means. Uh, but it's something for us to consider, isn't it? So we are living in times of increased stress and uncertainty. Some of you had trouble even getting here tonight. You're having employee problems. You're having, you're having car troubles. You're having relationship problems. Your health is in a crisis. And, betrayed and betrayals and failed relationships cause a loss of trust. We see it in the news every day as we see these catastrophes and these mass murders occurring from young children all the way up. And how would you define trust? Trust is defined as confidence or calm reliance in the ability, strength, or dependability of something or someone. Would you agree with me that people are looking for stability? Yes. Looking for, how, how many of you want to have more stability in your life? How many of you would like to have a better thinking place? And your brain, you want your brain to, to purr instead of ping. Well, this is the first presentation in our series that we're doing to, for these 24 meetings, and we just want you to stay with us. We think it will be worth your time. I'm practicing on you. <laughs> Children are actually naturally very trusting. Uh, and, and the attitude of trust has some pretty astonishing health consequences. Those who actually believe that people can change and improve are actually more able to forgive and trust others. The interesting thing about our brains is that they are constantly remodeling themselves according to what they learned. You are actually designed and made for renewal, restoration, and recovery. And when we have our program engineered for success, you will learn in a deeper way that whether you have genetic liabilities or whether you have had environmental things happen to you when you had no control over your, over your life or over your choices, or whether you've made bad choices, whether by choice, chance, or circumstance, you were made to make it. Does that sound like good news tonight? Yes. And here's the thing. 
If you do not leave your people every night with hope, with hope, then you have failed. Because information without hope kills. It crushes. And I would go right to the donut shop. and, and sometimes the only hope that we purvey is lab tests. Well, we want your lab tests to get better. We want to reduce risk. We want to show cause and effect. But you can't walk out that door for very long without realizing that really terrible things happen to innocent people. And people that do really bad things don't seem to suffer the consequences. So do we need to be able to address those issues? But would you agree with me, ladies and gentlemen, that we can lessen unnecessary suffering by the choices we make? How many of you are interested in lessening unnecessary suffering in your life? Good. Then we can go on. The healthiest social relationships are marked by these characteristics. And these characteristics of trust, cooperation, and fairness are actually mental disciplines that are not based on feeling. Um, In fact, the heart health consequences of social isolation are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's why we want you here with us for these meetings and not just joining us online. Trusting relationships actually uh, improve medical outcomes, including A1C, blood pressure, total cholesterol levels, Uh, And chronic mistrust is linked to reduced immune function and greater risk for disease and premature death from all causes. The ability to trust actually comes from God. His character shows us how to forgive and reestablish trust when trust is broken. And we will discover that as we go into part two of this seminar today, taking a look at thank you power. The Bible tells us about God. You know, you can't get to know someone if you don't spend time with them. And the more we get to know a personal God who cares about you individually, the more we will be apt to trust that God. If you were to create a God, uh, what would the characteristics be of that God? Well, would he be anything like this? Merciful and gracious long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. I mean, wouldn't you like to have a neighbor like that, let alone a God who loves you and has a plan for your life, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but he's a just God. Justice is coming. Have you ever had a sense of indignation as you see the, the injustice that occurs in this in this world. Well, the Bible addresses it like no other book. It is not due to fate. It is not due to karma. It is due to a problem called sin in a broken world. Man was originally endowed with a well-balanced mind and a noble character. How many of you would like to get that back? Me too. You got to line up with a God who is in the restoring business. God actually embodies every trait we can trust, including justice. And because he is God, we can trust him completely. We're invited to trust him because he loves us, just as we are. And we we can only love others uh, because God first loved us. Martin Luther said this, 
at the Martin Luther of the Reformation. He said, God must be a perfect gentleman because he loves rascals. Martin Luther said, I am a rascal myself, and I have a hard time loving rascals. And so his estimation of God as being bigger than himself was absolutely accurate. But when love flows from God to us, when we allow that to happen, it actually enables us to love him back and to love others and even to love ourselves. Sometimes it's hard to love ourselves because we live with ourselves. And I want to be so changed by God that I don't even recognize myself. With my old background, I want to be a new person. How about you? Are there some areas in your life that you would like to see remade, remodeled, and revamped? It's a process. There are no drive-through breakthroughs. There's a saying I saw in a Baptist church that says, God has a dream, Satan has a nightmare, and you have a choice. There's a voting going on. God's voting for you. Satan's voting against you. And you throw the vote. You throw the election. Do you need his healing love in your heart? Every one of us does, or we wouldn't be sitting here tonight. It's not just about physical health. It's about mental, emotional, uh, and social health. God's love is actually going to prompt you to make healthy choices because you matter to him. The Bible says he has written you on the palms of his hands. It doesn't say your name and address. It doesn't say about you. It says he's written you, your name, where you live, The hairs of your head are numbered. He has a plan. Surround yourself with health-promoting environment. He will help you to create an environment, both internally, how you think, and externally, what calls you. He will help you to create that environment. He will help you to create a lifestyle, create connections with others and with God. He'll help you to be active in mind and body and to have an outlook that is positive, to be available to others, and to trust him fully with your life. That's a big stress relief, isn't it? You can trust the man who died for you. God will see you through all of life's challenges. He is inviting you tonight to taste and see. We've tasted some good coleslaw tonight. Now he's inviting you to taste and see that he is good. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. In a stormy world, he invites you to trust him with your daily life and your present situation. He will either take the problem away, he will solve your problem, or he will make you bigger to meet it. Guaranteed. He will calm you and lead you through the difficult spaces of life, and you will grow in every way. He he invites you to spend time with him, getting to know him, because he is a personal God with a personal plan for you, and you have high intrinsic value in his sight. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God have I put my trust. I will not fear. How many of you would like to take a step of trust tonight and put away the fear that has kept you from coming to him. If that's your decision, uh, I would ask you to stand, but we we won't do that. So amen? Amen. All right, and that's only part of the PowerPoint. It has more practical stuff in it, 
But that gives you just a sense of what you can do in a personal setting in your home, church, doctor's office. If you need to be in a clinical setting, you can take the the scriptures and dial them down or do whatever you need to do. These are yours to personalize. Uh, Yes, ma'am. You keep bringing up the tasting the coleslaw. Do you have samples? Yeah, you know, I have have the most amazing coleslaw recipe. (laughs) It's called super slaw. And it's one of the ways that I teach about adding value because we put these amazing things in this shredded cabbage and it's all from packages that you can buy. It has shredded julienne carrots, shredded broccoli slaw, uh, chopped spinach and green onions and lemon and olive oil and garlic and it's just amazing coleslaw. People love it, absolutely love it. So we take the icky coleslaw that I personally just don't even care for too much and then we add the super, we create super slaw. So I keep talking about it because I happen to like it. <laughs> All right, so Super Slaw is one, in one of our balance magazines, I'm sure. You do uh, food samples? Oh, yeah. Oh, is that what you were asking? So I didn't even answer your question. Yeah. Yes, we do, we'll do sampling. We have a dinner or samples or do a food demo. So it's very interactive evening, lots of fun. Uh, and interaction. And what we would usually do after a presentation like that, the best uh, environment to create is a round table where people are sitting at the tables and you, you have them have a discussion. What, are you take, what did you just take away from this? What's something really important that you took away from this? And what am I going to do with it? So two questions. And they discuss with each other. People love that. So as interactive as you can make it, that's what you want to do. Yes. The evening is about an hour and a half. About an hour and a half. Uh, if, it's, if it's me, it's two hours. <laughs> because, you know, I love the topics. But uh, if, if you make it fun, people, well, you guys, you gotta, you gotta end on time. You gotta be, usually 6.30 to eight is what we shoot for. Yes? So do we have to choose our own recipes? Uh, you, yeah. Yeah, choose your own recipes. Although Madeline Hamlin has a, a health, health event organizer that is the best manual on how to organize a health event. Uh, uh, go to hopesource.org, Hamblin Company, H-A-M-B-L-I-N Company, and it is the best manual, and it has 10 perfect meals in it. Perfect. It's Hamblin Company... Google Hamblin Company, and I believe it's Hope Source. Yeah. Yes, sir. Dave's already got a lot of programs. How do I, as a brand new member of the local church, send this to the church? Well, what you could do is find someone that's passionate about this, uh, that has some sort of influence with the members, and you just simply show them some of the programs. Just simply show them what they look like, what they're designed to do. Isn't it refreshing to have some non-nutrition topics folded into the... We do heart disease, we do diabetes, we do blood pressure, we do all that stuff, but these are pressing topics. And we find even a higher level of interest in these because you don't see these topics addressed from a Christian perspective in the world. And, And so this is our time, this is our advantage. But ask God to give you favor with someone. Uh, to show them these things. So now let's talk about Fit and Free. Fit and Free is a seminar series. We have three tracks. Each track is a CD of four presentations. All right, and I want to take you through Thank You Power tonight. And uh, this is the one that 
has so captivated the hearts of the hopeless, those who have intermittent, unremit, un, uh, un, unrelenting pain and challenges in their life, what is the outlook that we're to ad adopt in a world of suffering? And Fit and Free is actually, it's an evidence-based brain and body health. It's called Fit and Free Building Brain and Body Health. This is track one, two, and three. Each consists of four seminar presentations. They are longer. They are 45 minutes and they are scripted. Uh, clinical, nutrition, motivational, and spiritual health topics. So it's designed to create a welcoming learning environment address critical clinical and lifestyle topics. It shares motivational tools for long-term success because frankly, lifestyle programs are not getting results any better than smoking, stop smoking programs. We're in the 95, six percentile of relapse and it should not be. Uh, and, and so what we want to do is we want to combine education with motivation and inspiration. And my work with bariatrics what they say in, in the research realm there is that the battle is not for the bulge, it's for the brain. It's not about weight control, it's about appetite control, and that's a brain thing. And we need to keep people with us for 18 months if we wanna see success. And so what we promote in the Michigan Conference as one way to do that, because there are many wonderful programs out there, is what is called a low intensity, high impact program. We don't wanna have a program series that is so intense that everybody's exhausted and they run when it's all over. They're worn out, the participants are worn out, the workers are worn out, and then everybody just stops. The, the most effective programming is programming that is low intensity, but it has a high impact because you're keeping people with you over time. Amen? Does that make sense? So it, we want to share motivational tools and create opportunities create opportunities. When we talk about building calls into our work, we are, we are creating opportunities for people to make a decision for Christ. Amen? Create opportunities to learn biblical truths and make decisions for Christ. The health reform is one branch, and we could call this health revolution, health innovation. Reform sounds like, it sounds punitive, but it isn't. It is a one branch of the great work, which is to fit a people for the coming of the Lord. It is as closely connected with the third angel's message as the hand is to the body. So each four session track has four presentations, a topic, a lifestyle presentation, a motivational presentation, and a spiritual or evangelistic presentation. Although we write calls and all of those elements exist in all of the programs, they each have an emphasis. So track one is building a better brain. And we consult with a neurologist as we do these scripted PowerPoints to make sure that the information is as accurate and cutting edge and up to date as it can be. The lifestyle piece, the great sugar scandal, we talk about carbohydrates, healthy and unhealthy carbohydrates. Mindset matters is the motivational piece, piece which, act, which discusses the fixed versus the growth mindset. It's all about mindset, the learning mindset. People love this presentation because it helps them to set their mental engine uh, on long-term success. Amen? It's like Jackie Gleason said. He said the second day of a diet is always the best because by then you're through with it. So we want to help people to learn how to push through obstacles, setbacks, and failures. Because 
because successful people are not mistake-free. They just refuse to give up. They just keep saying yes. Amen? Isn't that what you do? No? (laughs) And the evangelistic piece is engineered for success. Track two is a weight loss, uh, uh, weight management program from wanting to winning, best weight basics. What we teach in this one, I just love it, is that we have to fight this battle. And this battle is fought on many fronts. So the battle is for the environment. That's what surrounds you, right? The battle of culture is what pressures you. The battle for your biology, that's what changes you. The battle for your brain, that's what drives you. And the spiritual battle, that's who leads you. How many of you want to fight on every one of those fronts a successful battle? The addicted brain is not, is not lazy. It's fighting hard. We want to learn how to fight smart. And then the practical piece, they're all practical, but putting the pieces together, the best weight plan, fit and free best weight plan. Watch this foot. Victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh, That is the motivational piece. And it addresses uh, failure-based thinking. Succeeding when you're supposed to fail. How do we do that? Finding peace in your crazy, busy world is the evangelistic piece. And here we draw back the camera. We show the big picture that God has given us spiritual principles for securing peace. He's given us lifestyle that promotes peace. He's given us attitudes to practice that actually produce peace. They're called peptides. And he's given us faith that preserves peace. We want to introduce people to an almighty, personal God that wants to restore every aspect of life. Track number three, one of my favorites, it's our our brand new one, Hearts on Fire, Taming the Fires of Heart Disease and Metabolic Syndrome, the lifestyle piece, Time for an Oil Change, the skinny, on dietary fats. The motivational piece, we're going we're to actually experience that in a few minutes, a, p- a piece of it, and it's called Thank You Power. And then our evangelistic piece is New Heart, New You, the secret to a new life. What we love to do is have three, the first three programs during the week, have the fourth one on the Sabbath as the sermon, and then have a buffet. Uh, people love it. We did this in, a, in a Tennessee, and the people that hosted me said that for years, for something like eight, ten years, the people had come to their lifestyle presentations, supper clubs, not one of them had ever set foot in the church. And we had the three, these three, we had hearts on fire, time for an oil change, and thank you power during the week. And the fourth one we had on uh, Sabbath, and almost everybody came. Wow. Almost everybody, like 25 people came. They had never been. That's what happens when we trust that we, people need our message. Amen? Amen? They can download 40 pages on fiber. Really? We've got to put the heart of God back into the message. That's what people need. So these come with scripted PowerPoints, including notes for clinicians. Uh, so if you're sharing at a professional level with fellow clinicians, we actually give you stuff. Uh, wonderful subject summaries to hand out to your, uh, to your participants. Some of them have handouts, lifestyle features, and track overviews with discussion questions so that folks can have roundtable discussions. So now I want to take you through a sample of the fit and free PowerPoint taken from the motivational segment, Thank You Power. Do you think that gratitude can really make a difference? 
What do you think? Gratitude. Hmm. I remember when I was dating my husband. I, I wasn't raised in Adventists, and so Adventists have these songs that they learn when they're in academy or junior high or something. But this one was terrible. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, think I'll go eat worms. Have you ever heard that song? Oh, it's wretched. It's just an awful song. Anyway, it gets worse, but I won't sing it for you. But do you think that gratitude can really make a difference in your mental and physical health? Well, positive traits like gratitude and optimism are linked to stronger relationships. That's no surprise. Better mental health, stronger immune function, including much stronger T cell, killer cell activity, fewer deaths from all causes. I love this. Better sleep quality, healthier food choices, and more exercise. And I took some of the slides out that get very specific. It affects A1C levels. It affects cholesterol. It it affects triglycerides. It affects many metabolic systems. Our mindset affects these systems. The brain produces more than 50 neuromodulators that are associated with mood, 50 of them. And only 5% of the brain is actually electric. 95% of the brain activity is actually chemical, which means that these chemicals are capable of action at a distance. So when you're upset, where's the first thing, what's the first place you feel it? You feel it in your stomach, your GI tract. And so the amazing way that we are created uh, is that the mind affects the body. The body affects the mind. All 50 of these neuromodulators, which we associate with mood, are made, stored, and secreted in the cells of, that line the GI tract, the mobile cells of the immune system, and the respiratory system. So, in fact, 95% of serotonin is uh, created, is produced in the GI tract. So what does this tell you about God? What does it tell you about your maker? You are designed for improvement and for moving forward and for healing and for recovery and for restoration. And when I practice health habits that are good for me physically, these messengers of well-being assist me in my mental health. Is that a good thing? It's called redundancy. God has built backup systems all throughout the body to assist us in recovery. I love the verse, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7, that says, for whatever shame you've experienced, all you've been through, all the stuff that's happened, whether you've been born into a liability situation, whether, whether your environment has worked against you, you've made choices uh, that are very, very harmful and dangerous and negative, uh, he says, I, I will restore you double. I will restore you. Workers' compensation is the idea. How would you define gratitude? Tell me how you would define gratitude. Somebody? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Anybody else? Appreciation. Appreciation. That's a good word. Well, what does the dictionary say? There are several definitions. Appreciation of a benefit received. That's pretty straightforward a state of being thankful, so that addresses a mental outlook as opposed to circumstantial. How about the quality of feeling or being grateful? What about optimism? How would you, how would you uh, define optimism? What's your definition of optimism? Thinking the best of everything. Thinking the best. 
Do some of us, have some of us been born with that kind of trait? Have some of us not? <laughs> I, I can have myself in a train wreck before my feet hit the floor in the morning. Part of it is inherited, part of it is the background I have. I don't have a recollection of feeling safe. And so for me, feeling thankful and optimistic and being positive is a mental discipline that I have had to learn as a Christian. In the same way that I have to learn to brush my teeth as a kid or go for walks or eat berries or whatever it is. Uh, and so this plastic nature of the brain that it is continually remodeling itself according to what it learns tells us something about God that he recognizes the challenges that we face in this world and that he has made us to move forward instead of backward over time and I could worship a God like that how about you so optimism is designed uh, is is described as a tendency to expect the best possible outcome now, I, I do not have that personality. My colleague Evelyn, who is dearly missed this hour, uh, she has that personality. I remember one time we were doing a meeting together. I'm surprised that woman doesn't glow in the dark. She is very positive by nature. Her whole family is that way. And we were giving meetings to a group that was, uh, it was mandatory. They had to be there. I started to worry about it and feel bad about it, and it's, they're going to be hostile, and I just can't imagine how bad this is going to be. And so I got there very early so that I could worry about the, <laughs> the courts. Um, and and uh, Dane used to call it mountain climbing over molehills. And, and so Evelyn finally comes driving up, looking irritatingly cheerful. And I went up to her. I said, Evelyn, we, we have a problem. And she said, what's the problem? I said, these people do not want to be here. And I was just worn out. We hadn't even had the meeting yet. <laughs> and <laughs> she looked at me and she said, sure they do. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> she drove off. I said, well, that is just the most. I remember telling my husband one time, do I have to do all the worrying for this family? What is wrong with you? <laughs> so I, these are learned traits, folks. These are not easy. To dwell on, now this is something that's a discipline, to dwell on, dwell, dwell. That means to ruminate on the most hopeful aspects of a situation. That's a discipline, isn't it? Women are more prone to depression than men, one reason being that they tend to ruminate over problems. And because we have more words than men, then what we do? What do we do then? We express all the negative things we're ruminating about. And it puts us into depression. But grateful people have these kinds of traits. They are, you know, we study what athletes do so they have better physical health. Do we need to study the traits of people that have me better mental health? And we can practice those traits. And then guess what's going to happen when we start practicing? We will start to develop those traits. Practice not only makes perfect, practice makes permanent. Grateful people are more likely to appreciate others who care about them, believe that their own lives have meaning and purpose. That's what we addressed at the beginning of this program, and that is worldview. And underneath the undercurrent of everything we do as health educators is worldview. And teaching the truth about God is teaching God's worldview. The Bible is different than any other piece of literature because we as human beings evaluate literature, but the Bible evaluates us. And I am thankful for that. Amen? Uh, grateful people believe in a good God who loves them. Again, worldview. 
appreciate simple pleasures, actively express gratitude, that's a physiologic principle of brain plasticity. They are more likely to engage in grateful reflections, that's a choice. They do not walk around feeling deprived, that also is a choice. They're not resentful about their past, that's a project, isn't it? That's a project. I remember coming into the Adventist church and seeing for the first time what Christian people, how they talk to each other, how they raise their children and the safe environment. And I remember feeling a lot of pain over that. Uh, and, and, and here's the, the wonderful, wonderful thing about what the Bible does for us. He's, the Bible says he sets the solitary in families. We're not put in the church as a Christian family to show off our family. We are in the church to create family with others who don't have family. And, and when Jesus was going to perform his greatest miracle, raising Lazarus from the dead, the, his miracle was surrounded on either side by instructions to teams. He told the disciples, move the stone. He could have done it himself. He could have gotten an engineer with a fulcrum. He got a, could have gotten an expert. But he said, get together, figure it out, move the stone. He, he, they, their activity for him, for the master, paved the way for a miracle. Amen? But then when Lazarus came out, what was he wrapped in? He was wrapped in his grave clothes. And what did the Lord do? What did he say? He said, remove the grave clothes. And when we come to Jesus, we have remnants of death on us, many of which cling to us for many years because we don't know that it's there. And so the Lord puts us together so that we can help one another remove those grave clothes of faulty thinking, walking in rejection, disordered behavior, wrong habits, uh, bad attitudes. We get to take those remnants of death off as we press together. Salvation comes from Christ, but growth really does come when we come together. And, and if you don't have the tools for being with people, what's the most painful thing you can do? Be with people. But what's the way that we grow? We have to be with people. The Bible says to forbear one another. That means to carry one another's troublesome moral faults. Uh, and so what a great commission it is to be a source of healing. You know, one hand up, somebody's mentoring you. One hand down, you're mentoring someone else. We're part of a great family. Uh, this is research that shows that a resentful attitude about the past actually quenches opportunities for experiencing gratitude in the present. So God may be putting many, many healing inputs into your life, but because you're carrying an attitude, uh, you are not able to grow into the new experience that God wants you to have. And this is something important for, for new Christians and all of us to recognize as we go through life. Yeah, but, but it's not this. I didn't get this. I, I went through this with the loss of my husband. Yeah, this person's being nice to me and kind and loving, but it's not Dane. He's gone. Why didn't this... You know, and, and, and so God addresses the problem of suffering in the book of Job uh, because really nice, thankful people get sick and die while really mean people stick around for a really long time. But however, is there still a relationship between having this attitude and better health, better quality of life? Absolutely. Uh, new experiences of gratitude can greatly diminish resentment about negative memories of the past. That's the great thing about reading the Bible and letting God filter your life through his eyes. Yeah, and, and you receive 
his understanding of the sin problem, his understanding of your value. His, we start to now begin to say what we know instead of what we feel. And, and some of us are just whistling for the devil by what comes out of our mouth. We have nuclear power under our noses. Would you agree with that? Now, gratitude is a very demanding quality. It is a discipline, and it does not come easily to most people. It's like a sign that I saw on an executive's desk. It said, you're smiling because you do not understand the situation. You know, so the last thing we want to do with health as health educators is say, well, you know, you're just being negative. Just stop. I, I have a friend who's going through a horrific, life-shattering experience right now, and someone said to him, stop feeling sorry for yourself. <laughs> you know, this is not going to bring healing to that person right now. Job's friends were really smart when they just sat there with their mouths shut for a while. The challenge is to not make it sound corny or simplistic or superficial. The hardest arithmetic to do, though, is uh, to master is that which enables us to actually count our blessings. The outlook that you generally carry in life determines how you deal with adversity. Being thankful does not make you immune to the cares and perplexities of every life. However, people with a rigid, inflexible, perfectionistic temperament uh, do not manage trials and unexpected setbacks well. There is a great whale of a difference between being a perfectionist and Christian perfection. The perfectionist is totally focused on errors and mistakes, whereas the person who is seeking Christian growth, they're focused on growth, and they are learning from their mistakes. Do you see the difference? One is miserable all the time. Now, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we can learn from our mistakes and own them, then what's going to happen? We're going to what? We're going to grow. We're going to grow. Grateful people did not have less pain or experience fewer hassles of daily living. Um, but is gratitude just for good times when things are going your way? Well, the story of Johnny Erickson Tata gives us a different view. And I want to tell you, the first time I ever presented this PowerPoint, a fellow came to my class who broke his neck in a diving accident when he was 17, and he was paralyzed from the neck down. It was my first evening presenting this, and here he was. What an amazing experience. He's in Bible studies right now. Johnny broke her neck in a diving accident at age 17 and has been wheelchair-bound quadriplegic for 40 years. She wrote a book called A Thankful Heart in a World of Hurt, which is a very good read on the subject of suffering and giving thanks. And she said this, to give thanks in the midst of pain and problems is to make a rugged and demanding step of faith based on God's command in 1 Thessalonians, which is, in everything, give thanks. It doesn't mean that all those things are good. They may be absolutely terrible. However, is it hard to do that? Yes, this is not required of people who are not Christians. This is a Christian discipline. It is not required of people who do not know God because people who do not know God are often not benefited uh, from the terrible things. And we can get bitter in, and lose hope. But God wants to turn every miserable circumstance into some power and weapon against the enemy, and he wants to strengthen you. The sanctuary had its own shekel. It had its own coin. And so in the earthly ledger, we experience loss. My husband should not be dead. He was amazing. And he's gone. And so we have loss. We have suffering. We have pain. We have injustice. We have loss of property or friends or limbs or loved ones. But in heaven's ledger, 
They have their own, it has its own currency. What happens when someone has been mellowed by suffering? Have we met some of these saints? We want to be like them. They're so happy. They're so content, so humble, so happy to not be happy, so trusting, so gracious, so empathetic, so kind, so willing to wait on God. They've learned to wait and pray. They've learned to weep and pray. They've learned to watch and pray. And now they walk and pray. We want their characters, but we don't want those trials. Like a, like a sun-ripened fruit that's been burnt by the sun, it brings out a sugar when we trust God in the midst of suffering. Amen? And it doesn't happen right away. Afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness. Somebody came up to me right after Dane died, and they said, well, God knows what you need. <laughs> I, I said to this guy, couldn't he have started by breaking my nose and go from there? You know, really. Uh, and so when we say those kinds of things that are, to people that have been raped or they're in the middle of this horrible whatever it is, we're telling them what we're saying is, you are such a bad sinner. You are so bad uh, that you need this. But the antediluvians didn't have all those bad things happening to them. And so to think that everything is well with you because things are not going wrong is equally dangerous. Amen? Is it hard to give thanks? Yes, you bet. Especially when my quadriplegia is made more difficult by chronic pain or difficulty breathing. And in the meantime, she's had a, a breast cancer diagnosis, a double mastectomy, and she couldn't take full treatments because of the osteoporosis and pain caused by being in wheelchair bound. She already has a body image issue from being quadriplegic. And now this Lord, she says she made up her mind to give thanks and to trust God when she doesn't understand. Well, humans are inclined toward ingratitude anyway, even when they get everything they want. When hit with hardships or roadblocks, many people choose one of the following. They give up, they focus on the suffering, they get bitter. And I've done all of those things. I think that's my basic personality, actually. But thank God he wants to build in us a new way of thinking. Amen? There is another option, and it's one I take by faith as a choice and as a discipline every day, and it's to cultivate a grateful mind that gives thanks. It's a faith journey. It's not based on feeling. To give thanks is not the same as being thankful. Trust in God is not always accompanied by trustful feelings. It's a sacrifice of obedience and praise to a God who we worship. When the great men of the Bible were confronted with trials and obstacles that were completely overwhelming, their first act was to worship. We worship God for his greatness and his bigness, that he has dominion and power, he is mighty. And that frames our prayers, doesn't it? It prepares us for petitions and it reminds us that we serve a God who is going to free us from all pain and suffering someday and make things right. I just make my emotions obey me. I will not allow them to rule my life. As you are obedient to the discipline of giving thanks, God will reward you with the emotion of thankfulness. Amen. And that will cultivate a greater spirit of gratitude in your heart. And by the way, it also helps the brain to solve problems better. 
It is anger, bitterness, and self-pity that close the door to love, happiness, and fulfillment, not handicaps, reversals, and misfortune. By beholding him instead of your problems, you will become stronger and wiser. The Bible says, let God be magnified. They looked to him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Even when you've gotten yourself into a thicket, that ram was stuck in a thicket. We get ourselves into hot water, and God is there. Amen? Amen. So we go through some thank you tips, how to cultivate this discipline, give thanks out loud, write it down, use visual reminders, practice thankful thoughts. We can do this in our roundtable discussions. Speak thankful words. Imagine decorating your, your room this way. That's cool. Help others in need. Find life lessons in trials. I had a lady with multiple sclerosis, really crippled from this. You know, and instead of, you know, she, how, many, how many snake oil salesmen had this woman been to to try to get healed? How much money had she lost? She comes to this, and now she wants us to go and speak to her multiple sclerosis group. Amen? Amen. That's value. Learning from thankful people. Seeking God in prayer and repeating his promises. But if you never get another answer to anything on this life, the greatest gift of all is the death and resurrection of Christ who conquered sin and death to make us free and open the path to eternal life. Yes, the Bible says he that has son, he that has the son has life. He that has not the son has not life. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Again, pointing to the worldview of a personal God. It doesn't say he'll wash your face. He knows every single thing about your life. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying. There will be no more pain. The former things have passed away. Jesus told us the truth when he said, in this world you will have tribulation. But unlike Islam that says life is pain, he says be of good cheer. I have overcome this. It's going to come to an end. How many of you like that idea? Amen. In this world, you will have problems. That, when those, that house that was founded upon a rock versus the one founded on sand, the floods rose and the winds beat upon the house and the rain came and, and it was under attack. They all experienced a storm, but the house on the firm foundation of a personal God, that worldview, that's the one that stood. The Bible says to gird yourself, arm yourself with the girdle of truth as the first instrument in the battle, the first, the first um, part of the armory to fight in the battle uh, in spiritual warfare in this world, right? Arm yourself with truth. The truth that we arm ourselves is a worldview. It's a biblical worldview. That's our battle plan. That's the map, the strategy for conquering the world, the flesh, and the devil, and winning souls. We are hard-pressed on every side. It is true, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but yes, we are not in despair. God wants to restore in you what sin has damaged and taken away. To give you the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to give you a new definition of temperance and self-control. Temperance is God giving you the power to do your part so that you can gain strength. 
It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. How many of you want to make that decision today to have a more thankful attitude and discipline your mouth to go along with what you've learned tonight? Amen? All right, so we're going to have prayer now. Uh, well, I, is it time to quit? Yep, time to quit. I want to thank you for uh, your time. I hope that you've been inspired and encouraged as well as challenged. And so we will have closing prayer. Come see us at the booth. Um, for, and all of these PowerPoints, each one of these CDs is just $20. And, and, and imagine what you can do. Imagine what you can do in your community with these life-saving words, the wonderful words of life, Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we want to thank you for being kind and gracious and long-suffering, that you are the elder brother of our race and that you've made us in your image. And we ask, Father, that you would put a hungering and a thirsting, even a craving, to reach others with the life-saving worldview that the Bible presents. That through thick and thin, through trials and troubles, through health and sickness, through life and death, we will know and trust the one who cares for each one. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.